Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to a special episode of The Emma Gunn Show, live from Palm Springs. I went on holiday to Los Angeles recently, and of course I took my podcasting equipment with me. And there I hung out with friend of the show, fellow podcaster, and best-selling author, Lindsay Kelp. And we decided that, why shouldn't we just go? Why don't we just go to Palm Springs for the weekend? So we did. And joining us was Lindsay's friend and fellow author, Kevin Dixon, who Lindsay has long told me I would adore. She's been saying for a long time, the day that you two actually get to sit down and talk face to face is going to be a day. And she was 100% correct. Kevin's background is working on celebrity magazines and being somewhere between behind the scenes and in front of the camera, a very unique position, I think you might say, on things like reality TV shows and the big breaking celebrity news stories of days of old. He has interviewed and worked with everyone and he has a unique perspective on all things celebrity and boy, does he have some stories to tell. So in this episode, which preceded a night out at Tiki Bars for Kevin's birthday and our own very special rendition of <laughs> Proud Mary, I may have, <laughs> I, I, I got bruises, that's all I'm going to say. We discussed the machinations of celebrity, the art of writing from experience, the phenomenon of reality TV and a lot more. All links to Lindsay, Kevin and their books will be in the show notes, which you can find wherever you are streaming or downloading the show. But please do enjoy The Emma Gunn Show on Tour with Lindsay Kelk and Kevin Dixon. Welcome to... <laughs> Welcome, Kevin Hi. and Lindsay Hi. to the podcast. <laughs> what do we need to... What's the first thing we need to tell the listeners? I don't know where to start. <laughs> We're live from Palm Springs. That's a thing. That's true. That is a true thing. And we are joined by Lindsay Kelk, who is a uh, regular guest now <laughs> on the Emma Gunn Show. And they're like, oh, just turn it off. It's <laughs> her again. An author. What else would you describe yourself as? Renaissance Not man. A Renaissance man's good, yeah. Kevin Dixon. Hi. Welcome. This is your debut. It is. <laughs> Although we're already very comfortable. Too comfortable. Too comfortable. Fact. It's fine. It's fine. Everyone in this room has something in common except me. Basically, you two have something in common. You're published authors. Well, we, we have you in common though now, so that's nice. Yeah, but I haven't yeah. written yet. 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 <laughs> that's what we're going to do after this, is write <laughs> Emma's best-selling novel. That's why I've come on holiday <laughs> with you guys, just to hope that it would turn me into a best-selling author by osmosis. We'll Will that happen? Yes. Yeah. After a lot of tiki drinks and... And then some more tiki drinks. And some more tiki drinks. Possibly and then a late night swim in the pool. Hopefully an orgy interruption like Lindsay and I had last time <laughs> we were here where we got to watch an orgy not happen. That was great. Oh. A wait. derailed orgy is a beautiful thing. A derailed orgy. Yeah, we didn't derail it. We were... No, we observed. We were, we were conscientious objectors to the orgy. <laughs> uh, yes. They, they were some, some 
Boyd's were having a lovely consensual time and then they retired in the pool. Nothing was happening in the pool but some light touching. They retired to their room and um, they were trying to close the blinds because kissing was happening and then they were trying to close their blinds but with the light on. And so they're not animals, they don't want people watching. They're not savages. Mm. Uh, so they were trying to close the blinds but they just broke the blinds. For an hour, for an hour they were trying to keep the, the simmer on the orgy, mm. keep it on the boil while fixing a, 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 an errant... Um, yeah. Blind. And then all four Forever. of them were trying to fix the blind, and then eventually they just gave up and went out. They left. Yeah, they went Yeah. to Hunters, where we're going to take you later, and we're going to hit the floor. I'm so nervous and excited all at once. Just be excited. See, that's the right attitude, isn't yeah. it? Just be yeah. excited. Oh, when you get there, you'll realise that your worry was for naught. And that's when we'll be <laughs> recording part two of Emma Gunn's Live in Palm Springs at 3 a.m. tomorrow morning, live from the floor, dance floor of Hunters. It'll be amazing. And it will just be slurring and... <laughs> It won't make any sense. Yes, yeah, I have a new habit. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great. I think it'll be brilliant. I think you'll love it. Let's, we're going to do another one. 27 habits. <laughs> 27 habits. Let's do them now. Let's do them all now. Let's do them all now. Let's do them It's happening. It'll be great. So you're an LA resident. Kevin yes. is an LA resident. But again, another thing you have in common is that you were not born in LA. No. You are from Doncaster. Yes. And you are from where in Australia? Uh, the centre of Sydney. The centre of like Sydney. downtown Sydney, born and bred. Oh. Mm. What made you come to LA? Um, my Bright partner lights. at the time got a two-year job as an editor for some um, Pacific magazines. And that two years turned into 22 and counting. Um, never left. Wowzers. Sounds like thunder outside, but it is not. No, I believe it's a rolling cart. <laughs> Just a rolling cart. Or an earthquake. Or an earthquake. <laughs> Don't even. No, I've already that. scared. <laughs> yeah, speaking They're of not living that in bad. LA, they're kind of fun. <laughs> Kevin, it's true. You surf a mount. No one's died since I've lived here in an earthquake. Because we, so Lindsay did this amazing thing where she took me for a drive around LA, and if you have no idea, basically, I have discovered on that trip that I would never have made it as an actor in Hollywood because I could never have worked out my way from A to B. You use your phone. Yeah, but I would have had to have hit Hollywood <laughs> in my 20s before the mobile phones. <laughs> Use your abacus. Old woman no, guns. they used to have a, um, like the street directory that everywhere has, those weird with the, the spiral bounding. Yeah, a little uh -huh. and the, But the Hollywood page, the West Hollywood page and the Silver Lake page would always fall out of everyone's because that's all you needed. Yeah. And they would all eventually, all, that's how they renewed them every year. You'd need a new one every year because the only three places that you ever went would fall out. There's just so much traffic. But Lindsay did this amazing, amazing tour for me. And we saw the Hollywood sign. We went up to like all these <laughs> yeah, three blocks in Hollywood. You would have been horrified, but Emma was impressed because she didn't know better. <laughs> so if anyone's interested in signing up on the LA tour, you should take the Kevin Dixon tour, not the Lindsay Kelk tour. Oh, okay. No, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, <laughs> Lindsay, I want to see this particular place, which I'm actually scared to say on the podcast in case I think it it's fine, gets me it on a list. Natural oh, no, don't go there. No, okay, we yeah. We went past it. That was all. Yeah, that's enough. It's fine. Yeah, okay. Read between the lines. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or not <laughs> anyway. or just watch Leah Rimini's program yeah, there, you there, you yeah. there you go there you go but I am terrified um, so yeah so you came to LA and then the, is it a place that people never leave <laughs> yeah I, well, I've tried I've tried to go to New York twice and I've come back twice and this is so much better it's such a beautiful place to live if you figure it out and I think mm -hmm. yeah. when you watching you arrive Lindsay was really cool because you lived in the right place like you kind of just by sheer luck, I think. Yeah, I put myself... I, I moved to, from Brooklyn. I've been in Brooklyn almost six years, and I moved to Los Feliz. 
um, same reason I, I was her boy. My boyfriend was living in Silver Lake and I was informed if I was more than one neighbourhood away, the relationship wouldn't work out, which I was offended by wildly because I was moving across a country. Yes. I was like, are you serious? And then I got here and realised he was entirely right mm. because traffic is that atrocious. You yeah, can't yeah. be more than 10 minutes away from each other because that 10 minutes could be an hour in bad traffic. No, we're watching friends try to date uh, Silver Lake to Manhattan Beach. Oh, it can't happen. It's not going to work. No, it's not going to mm -mm. work. It's not going to work. I was going to say something really crass, but I was like, <laughs> nothing's worth that. No. Nope. <laughs> like, there's not one in this world that's worth that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how not. did you two guys meet? So we met through, through our mutual friend, Terry White, guest of the pod. He has been on the podcast. Yes. yes. So Terry uh, was working at Life and Style in uh, New York, where I was living in New York, and Kevin was working with Life and Style, uh, and she knew that magic would happen, so she introduced us. <laughs> at a national concert. Yeah, we went to see the four national. and a half years ago. Yeah, two nights in a row. Yeah, because <laughs> we were those people. Because you are firm, firm friends, and I guess that's something that you need when you move to a place like LA. Yeah. Because it could. I, LA's it, hard. It's yeah, it's, really it's, hard. it's a two-year really town. Hard. It takes you two years to even figure out that you might like it. Yeah, and then you're like, I love it. It's very. It would be very hard to leave. I'm. I'm not as emotionally involved with LA as I ever was with New York. But I know how hard it, it would be so hard to walk away now because mm. you just it just gets under your skin very quickly. And the lifestyle is very easy. It's very pleasant. The weather is always good. The sun is always shining. You're a couple of hours drive from a million different interesting places. Like Palm Springs where like we Palm are right Springs. now. Yeah. Yeah, where yeah. I have very for the last two hours enjoyed lazing by a pool where I can see snow capped mountains, palm trees, blue, blue sky. Hummingbirds, um, hawks. It's yes. been beautiful today. It really has. And have we mentioned the tiki drinks? So, yes. yeah, there's just a lot of great options. I shouldn't have tried so many of them last night. I was impressed with you. I was proud. Well, you stuck with one drink because you... Because you, it's not my first time. You nailed drink, it yeah. first time. <laughs> it's not my first time. Whereas I just kept every time it was like a potluck. I was like, I'm going to try this one next. <laughs> and I got derailed by mine because it did taste like Caitlyn Jenner's burning house. I don't know what was going on, but I didn't need any they more. They set fire to the, the... Listeners, they set fire to the uh, foliage in <laughs> yeah. Kevin's drink. But they actually set fire no, to no, it. Like it was an explosion yeah. of fire on top of my drink and then it just tasted like ash. Yeah. They didn't think that through. No. No. I don't think they did it well. Ash versus the Evil Dead was that drink. It was horrible. <laughs> but it was so big and it was... I don't, I'm just... I'm cheap, so I don't want to waste a drink. Mm. I shouldn't have perse persevered with it. I should have given up because everyone else's drink was really good. Yeah, and I just sat there drink. sipping on my awful drink for mm. hours and then wanted to go to bed, sadly. And Lindsay has said to me for a long time, the day that you and Kevin get to sit down and actually have a conversation, it's going to be pretty epic because... There's uh, there's a certain amount of symmetry between our careers, mm -hmm. working in quite close proximity with celebrities via our jobs on magazines, and it gives you a perspective into the celebrity world, which is very interesting. And no one believes that you've had it. Yes, is the funny thing. You'll tell people, and they'll go, "You're the, a liar." Kathy Griffin said I was a big gay liar <laughs> after auditioning me for her stupid show. She was you... right about one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost weight. <laughs> Um, yes, that was mean, but brilliant. <laughs> but I can't brilliant. help it, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are so many, the proximity to the celebrity world is, I think it's quite hard to be boundaried, and we had a brief conversation about this over breakfast, but it, I know that I have seen people in this business who become celebrity journalists, perhaps because they couldn't become celebrities. Oh God, yeah. Whereas... I never wanted to be a celebrity. Never. And I get the I would, sense that you didn't. I would do anything to avoid being a celebrity. 
even before you yeah i've never wanted to, to be a celebrity i'm very private and i think it's super weird to turn your life around and then complain about it like you can stay private all mm. of us i think manage to be quite private mm. and then or you can be george clooney complaining about it but then courting it at the same time mm. no privacy is very important i think it's super weird to want to be paris i've been friends with so many people for so long and you just wonder ultimately when it when fame goes away and it does it will mm. it has to it's always swings and roundabouts even kylie had a down period you come back broken and you crave it and i've sat at um well i went to i went to last time i went to paris's house it was sad because she was in between she was setting up a business she was setting up a djing mm. but her other fame had gone quiet and mm -hmm. it's just a funny transitional period to watch someone be in. Yeah. And how do they bounce back? Where do they go? And especially a lot of the people that get fame through reality, like, where do they go? But then yeah. we talked the other day about Jessica Alba and my <laughs> yeah. experience with her versus your experience with her. I talked to her on Black... What was it called? Dark Black? Angel. Dark Angel. Yeah. Um, and she was a new she was new she'd never mm. she was maybe a model for a hot minute before that yeah, mm. she was very young as well she was really young and because it was a big deal that she was um dating michael weatherly on the show and he was substantially older than she was mm. but yeah she was just so fresh at it and so <laughs> unschooled and just no media training and just saying really offensive things really stupid things at every interview where you're like i can't print that i'm sorry can you tr want to try that one again and she's like why and you're like well that's why yeah. But then you now you look at what she is. She's massively wealthy. And your experience with her is entirely different now. Mm. She's a very entitled and very indulged person. And very media trained and yeah. actually doesn't open her mouth. Right. Which because is for the best. Because someone obviously said to her at some point, in addition to you, stop talking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or you'll never, ever work again like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, I had an interesting experience with her where I think she hated me. And you know, that's her approach to the world. But you know, when an interview. And I don't get this a lot, I have to say. And I'm not bragging when I say that. But I've never gone into an interview and it's just gone tits up right from the very off. Like, you shake hands and you're like, when, this, is, this isn't going to go well. Christina Aguilera was the other one. Oh, that's easy, though. <laughs> <laughs> and with Sarah Michelle Gellar, it got so awkward. And because I'm fundamentally insecure and needy and wanted her to really, really like me, oh, no. I just kept trying really, really hard. And then I said, oh, how long have you and um, Freddie been married now? And she, she said whatever it was. And it was like something like seven years. And I went, oh, that's a good innings. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, if it doesn't work out after this, she did well. And she just looked at me with such, and quite, as you would, just like, you idiot. And then I think I just sort of evaporated. I don't know. I think I apparated like a Harry Potter Aww. wizard and just turned up yeah. at my desk in tears. You did better than I would have done. I would have just been asking her about Buffy. So, Well, then I screwed up. Like, I kept screwing up. Like, uh, she had some... Buffy paraphernalia in front of her and somebody Why? asked her to sign it oh. and there were all these signatures on it and it was where obviously this person had been to a, a con, a yeah. Buffy con. Or my house. And had, yeah, and had, got <laughs> all the, and had got loads of actors to sign it and then she was like I don't recognise this person's name and she said oh, it must be crew and then I and then I said something like um, or a civilian and she went that's disgusting. <laughs> but I was trying, I was just using humour yeah. To try and warm things up and everything I did. It's the one interview where I came away and I was like, I should have just should have just stopped right from the off. I did a lot of um, work on Buffy. I covered Buffy for years. And one of the publicists was this really wonderful girl. We were really good friends. She had long black curly hair. And she had three white hairs right in the front. And she called them Sarah, Michelle, and Because <laughs> that's what gave them to her. Oh, dear. 
I, I just, I'm really sad that I was just at home going, yeah, Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> and you two have just been suffering. I used to love Buffy because it used to be Friday night, Buffy at eight, Angel at nine. Yeah. And I'd literally run home from work and then eat and then dive onto the sofa and sing the theme tune. <laughs> great <laughs> theme tune. It's a great theme tune. We won't sing it now. I can't remember it now, which is prob I can, but probably we for the best. That's what's, for after. <laughs> what's the key to getting a good interview out of somebody? Because you do it very well. Um, I think you just talk to them. I've no, I don't give a pardon me. I don't give a damn That's if someone <laughs> is what their job is. Like I've always had that weird opinion that it's your job. Your job is to mm. be on Pop Idol or be on Housewives or be on like an Oscar-winning movie. And if my job is to talk to you, then I'm going to talk to you and let's talk. And mm. there's no point. I'm not starstruck. I've I've been starstruck twice. I think Buddy Hackett and Robin Leach. You'd never guess. But both times I was just like, oh my. God, these people have had crazy careers and they're really weird. And they're both like Buddy Hackett was amazing. He was on a show on Fox and I got to spend an afternoon with him. And he's like, I got syphilis on the Kokoda Trail in World <laughs> War One. And I was like, you're in The Little Mermaid. <laughs> it's just like such a bizarre interview. And I loved him. And yeah, Robin Leach, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And he's like, do you want an autograph? And I was like, no, I'd like you to say, oh my God, there's Pia Zadora and her husband Ian Holm. No, Peter Holm dancing at Ibiza. And he's like, Okay, I'll say that for you. And I was like, thanks. That's amazing. How do you do that? Because I, I don't, I mean, obviously my primary job is books. Because um, but you um, love a chat. You're a best-selling author, right? <laughs> you're a best-selling author who loves it. a chat. You'd be really good chat. at it. No, I'm not though. Because I have on occasion done you bits do and pieces of interviews. And I also have podcasts. I don't know if I mentioned it. And I very occasionally do interviews for that. And I, I still find it really difficult. Because I feel like I've got to justify the reason why I'm in the room. Which is, I know it's dumb. Yeah, you don't. But I, I always feel like I've just been, I'm sorry, I just, I've got to ask you questions. I feel like I'm imposing. So I find it fascinating that you two are so good at just getting a chat out of someone. No, I feel the same. And so uh, in a weird way, I always go in and I immediately put myself below yeah. and I, I raise the person above. And I know I'm looking at your face. I know that you're like, dude. Yeah, well, yeah, course. I wouldn't do that. But not, not for any, like not vain, not vanity or a belief in myself. I just figure that, you know, you're here and I like... George Clooney or whoever I've, d I've done everyone I've you know that was my job I was Australian correspondent for years where you would go oh, okay you've got to go and do Quentin Tarantino and the whole thing of Jackie Brown or mm -hmm. you've got to go and do this whole movie and you've got to talk to everybody or and it, all these weird people and like people like Bridget Fonda will want to be treated like that and mm. you'll just be like blah 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 like here's a question like let's just chat the better we both are the better the interview is going to be and Maybe and I like talking as you like we met and <laughs> never stopped talking so that's what it's like with everyone and you'll be like, and I'm not afraid to challenge. If someone says bullshit, I'll talk to them. I was mm. doing Shrek Junket when Shrek was not out yet, obviously. And people, that was DreamWorks' big take on Disney. Mm. And that whole movie is a middle finger to Disney. It's mm. a really angry, sad film about Jeffrey Katzenberg getting fired from Disney is what that movie is. And so he was being doing interviews. He's like, well, you know, we're the first studio that have done lifelike CGI. And I was like, no, you haven't. Like, you haven't. I just saw this movie and it looks like a movie. It's a cartoon. And he's like, there are lifelike elements. I'm like, the race to lifelike CGI is not being settled on Shrek 1. And he got so mad and he was standing up yelling, spitting in my face, like so close that I, how dare I speak to him like this? And I was like, well, you made a claim. This is for like some London newspaper. We're doing this conversation. Don't lie. I'm not going to print it and get like, have the world angry at me as a journalist and not be like, well, prove it or shut mm -mm. up. Oh my God. His people stepped in. They pushed me out of the room. They, he was red. So he dramatic. was so mad. And I was like, look, dude, did you get it or not? Can we keep talking? And they mm. were like, and he's like, get back in here and finish this interview. And I was like, all right, 
So moving on, you didn't have that. You just lied. But what else do you have about this movie? <laughs> I don't care. It's not even scary. I'm not that brave in real life, I don't think. I'm very impressed. I would have just cried. <laughs> no, because he was a douche. He was such a jerk about it. Yeah. And I'm like, look, if you're going to say make a claim, like we live in a time right now where everyone's making claims that aren't true. Yeah. And journalists need to be like, hey, wait a minute. Can I just see the proof? It's not challenging. It's just a question. That's really interesting because there's that. that's very interesting because I have had an experience recently where I interviewed somebody and I fundamentally disagree with the things that they were saying because I believe that there is proof to the contrary. But it's an... It's about nutrition, which is a subject that I really don't ever want to cover again. Because <laughs> I, in 26 Habits, I think I've covered nutrition twice. And people come for you on social yeah. media. And they come at you 100 miles an hour. And they are horrible. And people are entitled to their belief. If somebody believes that, that you shouldn't eat a certain thing, if they believe that you consume the animal's fear when it is killed for mm -hmm. the purposes of you eating it, I'm not going to... I, I can't say actually I believe that you're wrong yeah, or should it's I what they believe well yeah. it's difficult because it nutrition depends is tricky. whether or not you are interviewing them to get their opinion or mm. if you are just having a chat yeah and that and whether or not your opinion is part of the conversation which I feel like with a lot of your chats and interviews mm. that you 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 step back to let people tell their story which is yeah. what your podcast is which is why it's so incredible uh so in that case i yeah, just let them have it. But then, it, like you say, it's hard because then people come for you on social media mm. and hold you responsible for someone else's views, which is what we've done now by creating this society where everyone is a celebrity. And even if you wouldn't consider yourself a celebrity, there are people that consider you a celebrity. There would be. There, there will be people that would see you, meet you, and consider you to be a level of celebrity because you have a podcast called The Emma Gunn Show. Uh, so it I is think quite that's the thing. We have created this really weird situation where everyone either wants to be or is or considers everyone on the spectrum of celebrity somewhere mm -hmm. these days. It used to be you were famous or you weren't famous, whereas now it's it's not your 15 minutes anymore. It's where are you on the spectrum? And I blanked. Yeah, oh, no, I, Twitter has elevated opinion. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Twitter has elevated opinion to this thing where everyone feels that they have an entitlement to an opinion to be heard. No one's feeling heard. And whether you're yeah. talking to anyone yeah. in life these days, I've have a really strong feeling that people want to be heard so i as a person who is i will over talk and i'll talk too much and i'm i'm aware of that so i try to be quiet but letting younger people especially like millennials need to feel heard because mm -hmm. it's really hard to feel that someone's listening i think these days so yeah, in your situation i would i'm because i'm so curious naturally i would have said to that person well do you is this a physiological thing do you know that there's like an adrenaline rush mm -hmm. at the at the murder of a goat or whatever mm -hmm. animal you were talking about that then you know, tenses up the meat, or does it does it freeze the muscles, and then you get I would a different have an adrenaline rush at the murder of a goat. Well, there you go. But, but is the goat like is the in the te its terror? Is it dumping like weird hormones into its system in fight, yeah. fight or flight? Mm. Yeah, and then you're getting like a yeah, tough old bit of bit yeah, of birria yeah. in your in your burrito. So yeah, like I would just be like, oh, can do, is it is it a psychological thing, a physiological thing, had or a spiritual thing that you're mm. talking about? Like you can, I don't. Yeah, it's important to not say you're wrong. That's what but I it's think. always like, but let's talk about this. Like, mm. let's not drill down because then you'll feel attacked. But let's mm. run around it. Let's let's spitball it, as the kids say. As the kids say. In 1984. <laughs> <laughs> Which, let's face it, we would all like to go back to. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm because fine with that. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman would both still be our crushes. Yeah, and we have a little chat about license to drive. Was there a license to drive too? I believe there was. Were they in it? I don't know. I don't want to know. I no. just want to know the original license to drive. 
great movie. Oh, I love the Hames. I love the, the Hames. Me I love the Corries. Me too, me too. So much. Lost Boys is one of my favourite movies. Yeah. We just went to Santa Cruz primarily to see the roller Santa coaster Carla. from the start of <gasps> Lost Boys. And they moved it. It's all changed around. Like, oh, progress no. got in the way of where it was. They moved the whole roller coaster. It doesn't look the same as it does at the opening of the movie. We were gutted. We drove an extra hour out of our way to see you, Santa Cruz, just because of Lost Boys and save your time. It's all right, but it's not going to make you go, oh, this is where it was. One of the first secret cinemas in London was um, The Lost Boys. And Ooh. I only heard about it years afterwards. But it was, you got to the Docklands and you came out and they had the roller coaster and they had the whole thing and they had the guy in the purple pants playing the... Breaks my heart that they don't have secret cinema in LA. Do you know secret cinema? No, Kevin. but I'm, oh, my ears are Kevin. pricked. Yes, this is Kevin. This is how we're going to make our millions. Oh, starting yes. secret cinema LA franchise. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so secret cinema. It's, it's a, an organization that they set up uh, experiential, immersive, immersive experience. That's the word. Mm. We are doing this. Cinema. So that you go in and like the world is all created and you exist in the world, but then you sit down and watch the movie. Uh, it was Romeo and Juliet this summer. The Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. And oh, so it's just one movie for the whole summer. So they do a they big, do a big environment. Seasons, yeah. They've just announced Ooh. James Bond. La- was it last one. summer or the summer? Must have been the summer before. They did Back to the Future and they created the square, the clock tower. Town, yeah. Is it and indoor, so outdoor? Is this all inside a warehouse? Outdoor. Well, they did um, Shawshank Redemption and they did that one inside a disused. It might have been inside Battersea Power Station. Oh wow! And they made it out inside, and you and you get like a a letter beforehand, and you have to be that character. So my yeah. friend went and she was a prisoner and she had a backstory and they'd come up and say, what's your crime, son? And <laughs> she would have to say, murder <laughs> or something or whatever. <laughs> and it was, but um, they did Back to the Future and you kind of mill around the square and there's like the, you know, ice cream concession and there's all that kind of jazz. And then this kid just comes in on a skateboard and it's Marty McFrickin' Fly. And the whole thing kind of kicks off. And then there's all these like little... Um, theater experiences so like you'll see the interaction between george mcfly and whoever and you'll see biff and all that kind of stuff and then at some point the movie begins on this giant screen they're incredible i've never been but the first one was the last <laughs> my friends have been but the thing is is that you have to be you have to be pretty on it to like get the tickets because they just fly yeah, oh yeah i bet fly. and i've never been and they're i think they're quite dear yeah quite expensive yeah there's different levels so you can do like vip where you get food and you sit at the front and you get a chair and then oh, right down to you sit on your ass at the back <laughs> on a blanket with nothing <laughs> with nothing <laughs> with, your, with your back to the screen and you're not allowed to watch it smuggling some m&ms <laughs> yeah. well, i went on a date once in new york and it was like a first date and we went to the cinema and he brought his own m&ms peanut or just regular they were just regular but mm. i was like oh you bought the tickets let me get the concessions he was like no i'm morally against buying concessions at a cinema i've brought them and i was like okay and then he just had like one regular little bag of m&ms and i was oh. like i don't see this going well <laughs> we also went to see the road which was not what you oh god see. is that the big old morton <laughs> yes it's yeah. bleak is it like yeah. so, so bleak. Bleak. It's pretty bleak like I this can't... is gonna be the Wait, best day and he kills ever. the kid at the end doesn't he <gasps> oh um, i think the end is very ambiguous in the book, he kills the kid. Yeah, I can't. I don't think he does in the movie. I didn't I read. The, I, only, I read the book and I didn't see the movie. I think it's ambiguous. Um, it's the whole, it's just very unpleasant. It's not a date movie, friends. No. At home. Okay, so your career as a cele- as a celebrity journalist isn't even thing. A journalist covering a celebrity. How did you? How is it possible not to get sucked into it? Because I feel like it's one of those places whereby after a certain point you're going to get tainted by it, and you don't seem to be tainted by it. Oh, it's exhausting. Uh, if it, it was my job, and I was always very clear about it 
to myself that it would be my job. And even when you would go through like a personal crisis, like a breakup or something, and then you would have Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian both calling you going, you're going to be okay, baby. We're going to find you someone like really nice. And you'd be like, oh God. And then you go to a party and they'd be like bringing people over. Paris Hilton brought Andy Dick over to me at one point. And I was just like, this is what you think is going to help? This is what you think is going to help? No, this is a horrible thing that you're doing to me. Now I'm stuck talking to Andy Dick at your house. This is horrible. Ugh. And um, yeah, so if you just, I don't have, I have a really high bullshit meter. Like it's really good. And so you just be like, oh, you people are just odd. You're just odd. It's like the great Gatsby. It's like the, you're watching this other life. Mm. That, like he lived in that little house right next to Gatsby's big house. Mm. And he was in that whole book. He's just like, these people are just dreadful. That's how it was. You just, in, I was in my little house looking at the big house going, oh God why but then i would get great stories like one summer when britney was crazy that summer whatever year that was 2007 thank you <laughs> um paris took a beach house in malibu for the summer and every saturday she had a party that went from one till late 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 and the promise of britney my boss was like you've got to go every week i'm like but i don't want to go and so the first couple of weeks my friends would come and then they're like nah it's too far it's really boring i don't want to go anymore and I still had to go for the hope of Britney for a whole summer, every Saturday. And it was horrible. And I would just be like in this big house. But like before it was Kim, you would have liked it. If you if we had a time machine, I would take you because Kim and Carl Richards were there every week because they weren't famous. They were post child fame, but pre housewives fame. Oh. So they were just like these like <laughs> wonderful kind of drunk older ladies. And then Kyle got pregnant or yeah, Kyle was pregnant. Or, no, Again. she just had that baby. I think I can't remember. There was a baby had quite a few kids yeah I think it was the first baby that she had to this husband but yeah it was just this crazy summer where you'd be like we you get I got so bored I took to tripping over Courtney Love because she would be running she would she just would fame watch so if someone super famous came through the, the door at the side of the house she would nearly break her neck getting to them first oh Venus and Serena Williams but jump she and I just put my foot out every week <laughs> because she was such a drag like she'd just be such a drag and or like Perez Hilton would be fun to hang out with. Then she invited like a bunch of Australian murderers that Russell Crowe had brought over to make a movie about. <laughs> oh and I'd be sending my mum photos on my phone of this like murderer from Sydney that Paris was like had at her house all the time because they were going to make a movie about them. It was hilarious. It was such a weird summer. But the whole time it was like observing and not thinking, oh, wow, if I got on TV, I could have this house at the beach full of these people that don't really like me drinking my champagne and everything else. It's not, it's not attractive and it's just such a funny thing. And, and it, it's like, you should always try and be a good old person. I think if you have a good life, you'll make an interesting old person. You won't be that boring old fool, but I've got good stories. That's all I've got out of it is good stories. That's what I say to people about the, they, about my career on magazines interviewing celebrities. I'm like, I'm just an interesting person at a, at a dinner party yeah. in that I can churn out the same stories. If yeah, there's like a lull in the conversation. You've become a push play dinner date. And I hate being a push play dinner date because now people don't believe me. They don't. They'll be like, yeah. no one's had all of those experiences. Well, no one. And you're you, like, you were doing it at a time when the you were there right before the access became yeah, available yeah, to people. Absolutely. Yes. Because yeah. you were there at like the beginning of the Kardashians, the end of Paris. So you were there right before Instagram. I was there before now, the end of Paris. I was there for the start. Well, I was there for pre-sex tape Paris. So, but you would have, if it was now, you would be on their Instagram. You would have yes. your own Instagram. Mm. You would be your own version of it. You, The fact that you were able to exist in that mm. that bubble. And I avoided being photographed with those yeah. people at the and time I mean, because I, I knew... I called you once because I after we hadn't met, we hadn't known each other that long and I was watching... 
million dollar matchmaker. Aye. Million dollar matchmaker. I love million dollar matchmaker. Millionaire matchmaker. Millionaire matchmaker. Paddy is a genius. Yes, it was She's Patty. a matchmaker who just went, I'm only going to work with people who have money. It was genius. And genius. she wanted, Everyone she's like, would you be a... Everyone's six on their wallet. <laughs> she would call me and be like, I've got a gay one. I've got a gay one. And I'm like, no. No, I'm yeah. not coming on your show. But sh- you were... Because they... I'm you were taking show. photos of the... The couple that worked for her, their Destin baby. Destin and yeah. oh, yes. Rachel. Destin yeah. and Rachel. And you were there for the magazine taking photos, doing it at <laughs> home with them. And I was like, go there. <laughs> like, Breakdown that he was on the television. Whereas now, you would that would not be shocking because you wouldn't be allowed to be in the background like that. And you'd I'm be Jordan, is it Jordan Wynn? Kylie's best friend, yeah, who has basically become famous for being yes. Kylie's best friend on Instagram and now is her own person. Yeah. And like that would have to be you now. So but it's I didn't crazy want that you existed in to that ever bubble. be on shows. <laughs> and the only shows that I consented to be on and actually was like Paris Hilton's my new BFF. I did mm. that because as on, a favor. I've seen you in a couple of oh, on Kardashians ton. in the background. Yeah, I'm in a ton. And, but the, the best time on the Kardashians is when I'm making fun of Kris Jenner and I didn't know they were filming me. And she was giving the speech for um, Courtney's first baby yes, for Mason. And, um, and Chris was talking too. as if she was like mother of the year, but we all know the truth. And I'm just like put, gagging finger and throat and they just film me. And so she's giving this grand speech about what it means to be a mother. And I'm like fake throwing up behind yeah. her and it's the whole scene. Yeah, they like and I didn't know. Him. Yeah. I was watching, but that was only recently I saw that one. I'm, I'm like, going to have to uh, find that episode. You can find just immediately on the internet yeah yeah because cool. and, <laughs> and i didn't know that i was being shot because i went and stood where i thought i wouldn't be filmed and i'm there i'm in it when at like bruce sorry caitlin and chris's six something wedding anniversary and they gave him a facelift you get and a stripper yeah, yeah. That was and they shot that before they shot anything else and they invited me for dinner and didn't tell me they were filming anything and it was before the show even had a name so I just went over and hung out to mainly hang out with Scott Disick, who I quite used to like because he was like a stupid grunge stoner he who was fun like to be a around. Yeah, he's fine. And he's um, my favorite lord. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And so we, I didn't know they were going to be filming. Then they weren't. There wasn't like a big crew, so I didn't even realize that they were going to do it. And then I got stuck with stupid Brittany Gastineau. So we were like just <laughs> hanging out, and then they made this poor man come and be a stripper. And we were just like, what is this rubbish? Like, what the hell? And then Caitlin just grabbed me and was like, I'm so embarrassed that you saw this. And we went and sat in his, I think his and Chris's room, her and Chris's room. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to be respectful about Caitlin, but mm-hmm. I didn't, don't know her now. I never knew her. So you've never met Caitlin. So that's I've never met Caitlin. Bruce, so, yeah. and, but at the time I only reacted to this guy who I felt so bad for all the time because he was so lonely and it was heartbreaking. And at that point he was mortified by this stripper that these producers had. And it was a shape of things to come. Mm. So he just dragged me into his bedroom and we just talked and he talked and talked about how mortified he was that they gave him, offered him a free facelift on television after a facelift had destroyed his career in the seventies. And it was just this really big, and he, and so then we had this interesting relationship going forward where every time I was at the house, it would be like, oh, do you want to come and see my new mo- fake little helicopter that costs a quarter million dollars? And I'd be like, no. And then Chris would be like, go and see it. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I'll go and see your fake helicopter and we'll try and fly it. And they're, no, I can't. They're really hard to fly, FYI. <laughs> because celebrity, because we've always taken our cue from celebrity in terms of trends and stuff like that. And reality TV has meant that there are so many things that we as people, the population do as normal, like things like gender reveals mm-hmm. were a plot device for reality shows. And now they're huge. And yeah. it's one of the reasons gender why they're... Gender reveals that 
cause wildfires. Yeah, exactly. Explosive. Still mil- six million dollars worth of damage. But the Card- I watch the Kardashians and I think there are now things that I consider I either have to do or I have to do in a certain way because they dress up birthdays or yeah. whatever it might be. And let's face it, they make me want to have quite a bit of surgery because yeah. it's like, well, you oh, know. their effect on society has been so fast. We talked about this a lot mm. on full coverage on my beauty podcast before. I mean, right at the beginning, I remember talking about this, about um, the Kylie effect on lipstick mm. and, and lips. And I remember even when she first, when Kylie first had her lips augmented, I was like, oh, this is terrible. She's so young. This is so weird. And it looks so fake. It's so bad. Within two years, it's, it, it just seems like the norm to me now. Mm. It seems absolutely normal to see girls getting it done. And I, I, I'm like, you know, it's just like getting lipstick or dyeing your hair or doing anything. It's just a temporary thing that you can do to change your appearance. Mm. I've already completely normalized it in my brain. Mm-hmm. And it's because we see it from them every day. Yeah. Every day. Because I'm removed from it now and those, the younger girls are mm. girls that I remember as children yeah. that had this amazing dollhouse that you could go inside and it had like a little upstairs and they had electricity and they could make you cups of tea and they would. Like Paris Hilton's doghouse for her dog. It was probably... <laughs> Around the same size, but it wasn't as ornate. Mm. It was more like a, a kit that you would get from the internet, but it was big. And you would go and sit in there, and they had a hairless dog, this weird hairless chihuahua kind of dog. And so that's how I know those people. And then mm. cut to whenever I see them now, I have no, there's no um, connection for me with those people mm. because they're so different. And what you're saying, it's like Lana Del Rey did it, mm. yeah. then Kendall Kylie did it, and it's the same. It's like that just cuts. Like it's a trend. Yeah. So they just and they were, I think they'd friended. They were friends with Lana Del Rey, so it kind of probably yeah. became something that oh look look what she did. She got that yeah. duck pout and boom. But it's just the way that they're able to, and not just them, but that that community, that level of celebrity, that they're able to impact society so quickly. So quickly. So but quickly. The, the penetration is crazy because I remember going home to Australia when they weren't very famous. And at the mall, like I'm from regional New South Wales. Like where my family is now is not in Sydney. It's out in the country a little bit. And there were stores just with the KK, the purses, the first purse line. Mm. And in Australia, they were like $400. And they were just vinyl bags. Like, they weren't Mm. anything special. They certainly weren't, you know, a Birkin. And my sister bought one. And she's like, I don't even like the Kardashians. This is beautiful. And I'm like, it's a mustard satchel that you... (laughs) It doesn't go with anything that you own. But she was so proud of it. And Mm. then um, covering something in Fiji... And seeing like Kim's first fragrance, I think it was, yeah. at, like in a in a market, like That's a Fijian the first market. Time I met her, yeah, for the fragrance. But this was in like a re- not even a main island of Fiji, like a remote one. And mm. there was, yeah, and I everywhere. told her, and she's like, "Oh, great! Like, oh, cool." I'm like, "But think about why would someone in Fiji who works on a farm? It was in a really like like agricultural part. Would want to spend their? Mu- it was still sixty dollars or something. Yeah. Like it was expensive. And I just thought, oh my god, these people. Like, why do people have an aspiration for them? Because it's so far from what you're going to get living in Fiji. Mm. Like, you're never going to do that. I I honestly find it fascinating. And I think so much of it is because of the access. They were the first people to give, well, first successful people to give everyone that access. Yeah. And feel like they were part of it. So it was aspirational, but it was also relatable. Mm. But it was also curated. It's not, not I know you're going to say it was, but it wasn't. And we know in real life it isn't. But Mm. what we were seeing was, no, I feel like it was. fantastic. It was super curated. Yeah, no, I'm saying you, you would say it wasn't aspirational or relatable, but it was Oh, no, I curated. think it was. Like, it, it captured, like, that baller culture, it, yeah. which didn't exist in America. There wasn't, like, the footballers' wives culture. Mm. So that came up, and then the housewives came up, and it was, I would say it came from England, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, oh, the wags stuff all came from us. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what they jumped on. Like, it was yeah. sporting wives. It was the same old, same old, um, but had never been packaged in America. Oh, God. 
<laughs> oh, now I feel a real burden of responsibility for... Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Well, for my country. <laughs> <laughs> we apologise. But yeah, I, I do find them as a social phenomenon. I find them fascinating. And as a business, I find them fascinating. I find it mystifying because they're boring. They're boring. And yeah, there are so many unboring people. You saw that because you were there. You were in it and you saw the real life in between takes. And you mm. saw what was happening in between the 15 second Instagram videos. Yeah. When Kim got Dancing with the Stars... She didn't want to do it. Chris made her do it, of course. But she's like, everyone's going to find out how boring I am. I'm going to have to talk every week and they'll find out that I'm boring. And they did. And she got voted out. Yeah. It's and crazy. It she also wasn't a particularly rhythmic woman. No, she's not. <laughs> not a talented dancer. Because Prince, Prince shamed her. Oh. Oh, shit. Well, I, do I wouldn't mind being shamed by Prince. I do remember. Mm. She, that was when she was doing everything. When she, she also, um, she was like the backstage host at, it was either SummerSlam or WrestleMania, even. Kim was. WWE, yeah. And then she made oh that single. Gosh, Remember, yeah. she made a single well, and she made a video and she never released it. Like eight seconds went out and she's like crawling around with a bra on or something. And that's all that you can see. And it was like some just generic kind of dance hit. Yeah, that's when but it never came out. It never came out. Stars Are Blind is a good pop song. Sorry. Stars Are Blind is an amazing song. And I that whole album is hill. good. Mm. I went on a bit of a... I Nothing were, I, in this world, I stars are blind. This is Paris Hilton. I was Hilton. listening to it yes. in my car and then I listened to uh, Public Affair by Jessica Simpson and I had a real... Like, and it was so fantastic. Stop it. Stop Do you remember it. um, it's an amazing Adam song. Green's Jessica Simpson song? The what? When Adam Green had that song called Jessica Simpson? Yes. That's beautiful. I don't even know what that is. I don't think I ever met York. Jessica Simpson but I feel like now I'm going to correct myself. I used to love Newlyweds. Oh, yes. I loved Newlyweds. I had to go. The first time I ever came to America, or the second time I came to America, I came to Texas when my aunt was living in Texas, and I had to. I made her take me to the supermarket to get some chicken of the sea. Because <laughs> 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 I loved it so much. And I loved her so much. I just thought she was so sweet and funny. But I just think reality TV is very interesting. And I, I worked, as you did, on a magazine where the whole selling point its whole usp was you get access to celebrities mm -hmm. and that's why they all were so like magazine sales like wedding coverage all of that you'd sell millions and millions of copies and then reality tv happened and it trumped all of that kind of access because reality yeah. tv is so much better than what you see in pictures well now social media has trumped reality tv yeah, yeah. Real, it's trumped everything it's yeah. trumped fame like you don't need a publicist right you don't need anything it's you and them that's it now yeah. there's before the magazine was between you yeah. and them and there was you it was only turning pages looking at pictures and then mm -hmm. it was moving pictures because mm -hmm. it's reality tv and now it's literally you're both staring at the same screen and there's nothing between you and them mm. and i think that's the connection that's so powerful now but it's actually really scary because it's we look at our phones you use your phones on two levels you use it to communicate mm -hmm. like you would facetime your parents yeah Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And then you would look at an Instagram story. And there are really interesting studies. I'm getting like dead nerdy. But in terms of, <laughs> of how your brain processes the two things, because people that have grown up with this, they don't really, they have a hard time differentiating between like if I would FaceTime Kevin mm-hmm. and that would be him and me having our natural communication and connection versus me watching Kevin's Instagram story, which isn't to me. Mm-hmm. It's just a story that he's put up for everyone to see. But people don't know the difference. So if you're someone that, that watches Instagram stories, connects with Instagram and connects with celebrities there, you think you've got the same connection. Because mm. huh. you don't build real human connections anymore. It's, it's through the... It, it, I find it all fascinating. It's slightly terrifying. But that's part, that's why magazines are dying. That's it's mm. not entirely why, but that's why media is struggling. That's mm. why TV is even going down because why would you have that when you can go straight to the source? And also I find it really interesting. It doesn't matter what level of celebrity we're talking. You could, It could be Kardashian level fame or it could be I have friends who have 10,000 or more followers and have a blog, but they have people who message them as if they are friends yeah, and message them as if, if you can create that connection, it doesn't matter where you are on the celebrity mm. pecking order anymore. You can just create it right there. But it's there. also, realities was a great equalizer because you would find, like, so someone would pr- be promoting reality TV, but then, so Matt Damon would, like, they did Project Greenlight. So for a while, mm. a tabloid had great access to Affleck and Damon mm. because they had Project Greenlight. That was just a reality show. I covered reality, so let's go yeah. talk to those guys about their show. They've got to talk about it. So was all that of a sudden, green lighting independent project. Yeah, it was yeah. an HBO reality show, I guess, but it, yeah. but it made them available. Mm. Or who, so whoever comes in as a producer, like uses their name to make some quick money, you still get to talk to them. Yeah. Mm. And also, like weird TV shows have always brought in crazy celebrities, yeah. and so all of a sudden, you find yourself talking to someone who previously has won an Oscar, like Glenn Close, mm. an appalling person who <laughs> thinks she's an alien because she's an actor, and she's like, "Well, you would never understand, darling, because you don't." have what it takes to be an actor we're different and i'm like you're an unpleasant person what a horrible thing to say to someone and she laughed i'm like no really that's a horrible thing to say to someone what do you mean i don't understand what you're talking about of course i understand you're not that smart you, you haven't you haven't baffled me with physics you're just talking oh, was it during damages i love damages yep no oh. <laughs> don't take damages please but yeah, but yeah it's, and that's i think with social media now now you do it with social media like look at busy phillips busy phillips's mm-hmm. career was in a rest a fallow period let's say mm-hmm. she's managed to bring her career back through instagram by being awesome on instagram and mm-hmm. now she has a chat show and now she's got a book and it's like that's incredible what and you're she's able to do she created a really likable sort of zaftig persona that's yeah. funny it's really funny and mm-hmm. she'll she'll be confrontational which is nice yeah in a, an era where people are kind of homogenized, she's kind of abrasive in a weird mm-hmm. way. She'll stand up for herself, which mm-hmm. I like. I like her show. Yeah, I like her blogs. Well, I thought the show when I first started watching it, I was like, "Oh, this is this isn't great." And now it's become it's actually quite clever because the format's very comforting, and it's very sweet and it's very yeah. easy to watch. And actually, I was like, "Oh, busy." It felt quite yeah. I heard uncomfortable problems at the beginning, but now it's settling itself down. Yeah, like she'll probably take over from Ellen. Like she's Ellen. Where's Ellen it? going? Well, yeah, nowhere. But, like but in, in <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they're they're grooming a. a yeah, it's a, it's a, it'll be the, it'll be the same daytime audience, but mm. you're going to have a bit more of a hook for the younger viewers that are coming yeah. up into that mm. demographic. And that's what they do the late nights, isn't it? They yeah. Take some the late late night person does the late night, and you just sort of get promoted. Through you the should ranks. yeah theoretically yeah. promote up. So one day Carson Daly will promote up to the late show. Yeah. 
really fascinating mm. isn't it really fascinating yeah, but it's all grooming over here i love it and i watch it all the time on youtube but i love all the late night talk shows like fallon kimmel i wish we had those we have graham norton in the uk and he is he does fl- in my opinion flawless interviews with he people. does yeah, he's I really good it. i do love him but because I think he approaches it in the way that you do, which is, you ain't special. If you screw up, I'm going to let the audience yeah. know. And I'm going to do something really fun with you. And you'll probably have a good time, even mm. though you would never get away with it in America. Like when he had John Collins on and had a guy who ran a fetish site dedicated to Alexis Carrington in gloves. <laughs> and then he gets him on the phone and the guy starts to masturbate. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's like the best thing John Collins will ever do. Because she's like, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> and you can just hear... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. but you would if you had that opportunity like you can't you, take uh, it away exactly when else is he going to get her on the phone mm. so yeah of course you know make hay while the sun shines <laughs> so when did you transition into author um pretty much when after my relationship with the kardashians ended mm-hmm. um it, by that point it was just i was doing too much for that magazine and there was like a, 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 a what, how do you say it a personality clash mm. that became very tiresome and i was mm. like i'm so sick it, it had been seven years by that point of day more eight years of day in day out running just the lives of these ridiculous people wow and like and of course they've got no respect for your time of day or the weekend or you've got carney phillips like trying to kill you it's just it got to the point where so many things go wrong and everyone's got your phone number and you just literally you see your phone ringing at lunch and you're like god i cannot deal with you carney phillips you're horrible (laughs) and you're going to just call me the c word you're just going to call me the c word because we ran a photo of you with a double chin and you've got a weight watchers campaign like i didn't pick the photo it's nothing that's not a page i've had anything to do with Mm. i'm not your keeper or your agent or your publicist but thanks for that voicemail dear i had that once and it wasn't a celeb it wasn't a celebrity but it was somebody who wait carney wilson Wilson, carney phillips her sister's mission yeah whatever Wilson Phillips, hold on. Yeah, I got, I got, I got the wrong nom. Yeah, um, <laughs> I had a, a got great voice. A, on a Sunday. I had a very, let's say, tired and emotional phone call from somebody who was featured in the magazine, and uh, it was just the most ridiculous tirade of. They had obviously been consuming some stuff, Aww. and they weren't making any sense, and there were people screaming in the background, and I remember thinking, no. Something's gone wrong here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I w- answer that phone. Yeah, yeah. it was like pe- celebrities would, because they think you're their friend, and it's weird. Which is, I never thought that I, it was a reciprocal agreement. But like somebody would call and be like, "I need you to be my Coke sponsor," and you're like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to be your Coke sponsor. Like, don't take Coke. There, I've done it. I'm, uh, am I done? Like, don't let, don't lift the spoon to your nose. Maybe cut that fingernail off. You know, don't do it. Just don't do it. Come there, are we done? Can we get on with it? But why would you pick? Like a journalist, but I think they were to be your coke sponsor. Of this attitude because you were one of the few people, probably, mm. who wasn't a, a yes man. She said, punching a bag of crisps. Um, you weren't a yes man. You weren't a panderer. You were telling them the truth instead of what they need wanted to hear. You were telling them probably what they needed to hear. And I imagine if someone's in that situation where you've been cosseted and created and told everything's amazing, it's probably quite attractive to have huh. someone who tells you the truth. I wonder because they, then you might think that, but then when you do, they react in a celebrity way, which is kicking and screaming and having their publicist call you asking what the F you've done to yeah. make them have such a meltdown that they can't go and mm-hmm. appear on a show. And you're like, I just said, no, that doesn't look good on you. Or maybe don't do that again. Or don't date that person because that's that person has a drug habit and mm-hmm. that person's going to drag you down and it's not going to be good for the building that you've been doing, it's going to undo the work you've been doing. But anyway, the end of all of that was that I had too many people have my phone number and I was really, really sick of it. I was Mm. so tired of it. 
and Kim and I had a falling out and so that wasn't working anymore and I was just like you know what I'm just gonna go and write books mm-hmm. I'm gonna go and be in a punk band for a couple of years and write a few books which is what you should do in your 40s <laughs> um, apparently and it's working out so I don't regret it for one second and also the celebrity market's dying and that everyone got fired from those magazines like mm, all those magazines yeah. are gone now yeah I've been out for five years and in that time staffs have shrunk like you wouldn't believe oh, editorial staff is almost gone the freelance rate is peanuts and why would you do it and the the push to come up with crazier storylines and more driven yeah. storylines is is worse because you've got to be able to hold it against online where yeah. someone can see your cover and then tweet that you're wrong mm. how do you do this that's not worth it it's just mm. not what you can't do like tabloid supermarket reporting i always try to keep it true Mm-hmm. And honest, and I would call publicists and be like, we have this photo of your client snorting coke. I would like to not run it, but I'm being pressured to run it. What the hell can we do mm. to not run it? And they would be like, she will do your fall fashion spread. Right. I'd be like, thanks. Like, that's kind it's of... It's transactional. It's totally yeah. transactional, mm-hmm. but I was tired of it. And by the time I got to stop doing it, I've been doing it for 15 years straight. Mm. And I was over it. I was so over it. Was writing the books cathartic? Um, it's cathartic now. Mm-hmm. The first one, because it's hard. Writing books isn't easier. Everybody would do it. Um, and the first one was kind of like a shot in the dark. And it was easy. And it is pretty scandalous. But no one knows quite how scandalous. Lindsay knows how scandalous it is. And um, then the second one was really easy to write. What was the write. name of the first one? Just so we'll, oh, obviously we'll oh, sorry, put With Blind shows. Item is the first one. Mm-hmm. And then it has a sequel, which is Guilty Pleasure. Guilty Pleasure is more fiction. And it's because I had more of a responsibility to the characters at that mm-hmm. point. And now it's easy. Like the one I've written two this year, um, they're both out for for market, or one's about to go out, mm. and um, you'll be surprised by both of them. And the, they've been quite easy. But I feel like this is kind of me saying goodbye to celebrity. I'm kind of done. Mm. Like the next one's going to be all fiction, no basis in what I just have done recently, and that would be a nice break. Because at this point, it's 20 years I've been doing yeah. this in this country. It's like, oh, no more, no more. Without your system. Eh, and, and I'm sure it'll come back yeah. because it's a way of the, like the things that we saw, the things that you're going to see doing mm. what you're doing. People will not believe you. Mm. People will not believe that I babysat Octo Mom's kids. People will not for like a weekend. It's like you end up doing. <laughs> I was behind the mirror on the Swan weekly. Oh, I was. I, swan. I would stand behind. There was a one, a two-way mirror. So the ca- there was a camera in the mirror, and I'd stand with the cameraman and watch the woman take her. You know, get to see herself for the first time with a whole new mouthful of choppers and a weird-looking face. <laughs> And they'd always just cry and say, oh, my God, I'm so beautiful. Yeah, you could not do that show. <laughs> At a house in Westwood. We'd go to The Bachelor. I, every show that was reality, I was on it. I was, used to go to Survivor, around the world. You'd go. They had so mm. much money to cover that crap back then. Yeah. You'd, like, Gordon Ramsay would be like, oh, hey, mate, come and eat my at my new restaurant. Because I would be on Hell's Kitchen every season. It's just so, so I dumb. I will take a feed. I mean, I, and I would take a feed yeah, off Gordon Ramsay. You've been really turning me off any of this, and now suddenly I've all turned around because you've offered me a free feed. <laughs> yeah, and going to the, <laughs> really the fi- finale of Hell's Kitchen is a damn good feed for free. Oh, I'm sure. Did that a few times. I want to get on Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me too. If somebody came to you and said, I want to be famous, could you help me with that? Do you, is there a, a colour by numbers where you could say X, Y, and Z, do this. No. Because no matter what you do, unless you have something magical about you, because I tried. Kim, we, 15 minutes, right? Kim Kardashian, 15 minutes. I always thought she was going to mess it up. 
she would cock it up and it would be over because that's what happened to everyone before mm. her. Everyone, whether it was Callista Flockhart, who was impossibly famous for yeah. a short period of time and then vanished. Ev- like, no slight on her. She just vanished. Mm. Well, she married Han Solo, but that's a different thing. Um, you, mm-hmm. you never know how long it's going to last. And we were always worried that it would stop. And so I would, my job was not to fabricate the next big thing. So we got lucky when Twilight came along and I was like, just, just say that Edward and Bella are going to get together. And we did. And then they did, which was crazy. So all of a sudden, we looked like we knew what we were talking about, which we didn't. <laughs> and um, at that time, I was always trying to make a new Kim because we needed to have a Kim in our back pocket, like the next Kim. So I tried with Teen Mums. I tried with Josie Shore. I tried with countless people on shows. And like Kristen Cavallari got really lucky. She did mm. really, really well. Um, LC did okay. But it's impossible and they were both very strong they did it on their own mm. but i tried with jenny from jersey shore jaywell mm, and yeah. she should have had it like she was amazing she was bubbly she had a great body it just didn't fly you yeah. couldn't do it and i i don't know why I, I so i don't think worked with her publicist who worked with her and loved her yeah she's wonderful yeah, easier to work with wonderful. than pretty much anybody willing to do it yeah she kind of she but they always get a bad boyfriend actually she got a bad boyfriend who wanted money for everything and mm. i'm like money for everything comes later mm. at the beginning i don't have money for everything and you can do nightclub appearances. This is what Kim did. Mm. I was her bouncer at nightclub appearances back in the day, like at some club in, on a you know Route 45 in New Jersey, and we'd go out in a car and just have people take photos of her all night. Or with Paris, same thing. You get paid for them, and then 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 you'll get Dubai, then you'll get maybe something in Warsaw. Like people do these weird appearances mm. for a ton of money, and it helps. Mm. It helps globally. Um, I don't think I could help someone be famous. I've tried. Mm-hmm. Um, the audience has to be there, and I think you what you said before. The Kardashians were first. Yeah. And they were never crass. They've never, like, Jersey Shore is super crass. Mm-mm. You can't be crass. No. When I worked for TV Guide, we couldn't put Paris and Nicole on the cover because we would get so much hate mail. We did it once for yeah. Simple Life. And people were like, I don't want to be in the supermarket and see whores on a magazine cover. We're yeah. not buying it anymore. Yeah. It's America tricky. It's tricky it. for middle America. You've got to. You've really got to be that perfect balance of aspirational and relatable. And Kim they've is... They've got to want to be you, but mm. they've got to feel like they could be you. Yeah. Like, as pretty as she is, like, I knew her when she was a wardrobe assistant, and mm. she would come and meet me for coffee. She worked as a source for me. Um, mm. She did not, has denied that, but she did. And um, it was a tricky time, but she was always beautiful, even with no makeup on straight from the mm. gym. And there was always a mystery to me why she wasn't more famous, because she could have been a model. She could have been a lot of things. And once she was able to lock herself into it it was almost preordained mm. because by then she'd had marriage she'd had celebrity relationships that she didn't capitalize on so i don't know maybe something about that because courtney and chloe don't have it but they're massive stars now well and they also have chris janet behind them yeah and the machine is moving now i think it would be harder for them to stop it now than it would be to start it yeah and courtney hasn't yeah, wanted to be on the machine ever ever mm. it's never been an interest and of actually hers. i would say because obviously i consume all of their content i would say that it's really it's obvious that she doesn't want to be like she mm-hmm. feels like she's on it going i want to get off but but she'll take the money like the money and the money's really good mm-hmm. and the money will enable her to have a great life but i don't think in 10 years you're going to see courtney on the late show talking about stuff she'll just be like nope i want to get out of here yeah. i want to be done it'd be like trying to turn around the titanic now it would just be it's going in whatever direction it's going in mm-hmm. and they either jump off or they stay on board but you can't you wouldn't just be able to stop well it. rob's kind of jumped off Rob's jumped. Oh, this is it. I said, but you, I, like, you would either literally hurl yourself into the frigid ocean <laughs> or you stay on board. There's no like, let's just stop here for a moment and have a lovely time. Yeah, Rob no. has literally hurled himself into the frigid ocean. Not literally. That's a bit of misuse of a real word. But yeah, he's, I mean, where is he? And he never it's wanted Rob to do it either. Like that, he never wanted to do it. 
that was the thing that he was forced to do. But yet they have created, or that not they, but there is this thing of ask um, a 12-year-old what they want to be and there's a fair chance they won't say famous yeah. mm-hmm. because we've made... I went back to my secondary school a few years ago. Um, before I was writing full-time, I used to work for a publisher writing children's books, uh, editing children's books. And I, we would go into schools every so often just to chat with kids and find out what they were reading, what they were interested in. And I went back to my secondary school in Harworth, outside Doncaster, a little South Yorkshire mining village. And I sat down with all the kids and was like, you know, that was one of the questions we asked everyone. It was year seven, so like 11, 12. Mm. We were like, what do you want to do? And all the little girls said they wanted to be famous. All of them. And I was like, well, famous for what? And they were like, I don't know. I guess I'll do X Factor or whatever. And it, it was really, and even the boys were like, oh, I'll be a footballer or yeah, I'll be on X Factor or I'll do the dancing one. Like it, it was really scary because it was not that far removed from when we were there saying like, Oh, I don't know. I guess I'll be a teacher or a doctor. Or a vet, yeah. Or a vet. The dream. Oh, the vet, I know. I just wanted to be a vet so bad. Oh, my God. When we all just love dolphins. And yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't to talk. to be a marine biologist. I can't talk because when I was 14 and the headmistress came into our class and said, what would you like to be? And pretty much everyone said lawyer or accountant mm. because that's what dads did. Um, I said, I want to be a backing singer with Guns N' Roses and got sent out. And I did. <laughs> and I still, on some level, do. And then do. I was a backing singer. Well, that's why, coming to LA, I was like, I'm going to reach out uh, to Axel Rose's publicist yep. to see if he'll do the podcast, just so I can call the episode Guns N' Rose. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and also so I can just sit outside in my car. Yeah, <laughs> so we watch. can come and stalk you, because I can yeah. I can outdance Axel. I would be doing my Axel dance for him, and he'd be like, oh, I wish I wasn't so fat and out of shape, because that's good. <laughs> I could, I could beat him. I think I could take him. Oh, I love him. We I do too. Him. Later tonight on the dance floor, all Guns and Roses for you. I want to see that so I'll badly because he has. A I did it yesterday. You weren't there. I'll do it again. He has a very specific move. That's so easy. The serpent. Yeah, it's easy. So easy. And I love, I love it. Oh my god, so much, so <laughs> much. And that's the thing. I think uh, when I was growing up, I we used to I, my biggest bands that I was obsessed with were Guns and Roses. Um, and the Black Crows, and anything I could consume about the Black Crows, I was like, oh, I want it. And there was like a picture book, and I would just look at it for hours. Just literally, it was like photos taken from tour, made into a book that I think I spent 30 quid on, and my mum bought me for my birthday or something. <laughs> but I, that kind of thing, and it was such a rare treat to see behind the stage. Yeah. And now you see everything. That's like, an interesting question. Do you think Axl Rose would have, and Guns N' Roses would have been as famous as they were? Now. Knowing what we know about what they did back then, if social media had existed. No, they would have been Me Too'd out of existence before the first record came out. I found it fascinating that yeah. these people that, I mean, we and people talk about the stories of back then, of like the glory days of rock and roll and the riot Hyatt and throwing tellies out onto mm. the Sunset Strip, of whether or not that would be, st- w- you know, that was held up as like mm. how a rock star should behave. But that's yeah. what's happening a lot now, isn't it? Is you're learning all these people that we've put on pedestals or have fondness yeah. for. We're now learning that we can't have that fondness for because we now know that some really dark stuff was going down. Well, that's what has been... That's, that has interested me since I moved to America, mm. which is I feel like we're watching the end of fame, the fame as a concept, fame as, a, as yeah. an illusion, fame that you can subscribe to. And that's what my books are about. That's why I love that we're post-fame. We're, mm. We don't have fame anymore. Well, you can't. You can't have... Like mis- you couldn't have Marilyn Monroe now. Mm. Yeah, you no couldn't have Jimmy Dean now. They'd be like, "Oh, here I am getting a pimple popped at Doctor Pimple Popper because she <laughs> called me and said I she'd do it for free." So there'd be Marilyn Monroe getting her, you know, her, her mustache her bleached, and off. then her back head's whipped out, <laughs> and that's not what you want from Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn did not have black heads. Take no. it back. Yeah, that's what 
see, that's what I want from my celebrities. I, I want, want proper old school Hollywood glamour. I just elevated personas. Yeah. Is it um was is it Terry O'Neill who was married to Faye Dunaway, the photographer? Is that his name? I don't know. I don't recall. The guy who took the picture of her with the Oscar. Oh, with the Oscar in the pool. Um, I think it's him. He did an art, uh, an exhibition of his work in London quite a few years ago now. But a very good fi- friend of mine went, and it was called Celebrity. And he did a he did a talk, and this is all third hand, so I'm just you know could be incorrect. But along the lines of during this talk, he said, "Celebrity fundamentally changed with Princess Diana because prior to that, mm. there was mystery, and Princess Diana as a royal and as a celebrity, if you will." dismantled that curtain yeah, between the curtain. us and them because this position of royalty became something that we thought we were closer to than we actually were and I think that's quite interesting because actually if you do pinpoint it back you can see that around that time the nature of celebrity fundamentally changed yeah it became the veil did get lifted. Mm. I never thought about that, but she would be the first. Mm. And it was, she was also like the Paris Hilton of the royal family mm. because she did court the tabloids and she used the tabloids. I remember talking to people that I know that she would call. Mm. If Camilla was doing something, she would be like, I'm going to go shopping and everyone can come. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going up to the, the shops. And so she did that. Showing which I think, John Travolta but people, dance and yeah. the things that she did. Yeah, she did so many media, like yeah. commoner things. Like, common, which is a weird word to even use because it's a strange concept. But mm. she... Opened the door to mm. being normal, which I think we're not going to recover from. Mm. I don't want. I'd rather. I went and saw this band called Sparks last week. They've been a band forever. They were quite popular. I didn't know anything about them. A friend took me. They were wonderful. And so I was like, "Oh, I'll Google this." They've been together fifty years. They've never talked about their private life, and people are fascinated. And I and so this has now made me super fascinated by this band that I enjoyed yeah. their concert. Didn't know them too well, but they've never talked about their private life, where they live, what they do, whether they've been married or have children. There's nothing, and people are going crazy for it. But you have this random sort of cult band mm. who aren't like Axl Rose. Axl Rose is a perfect mystery. When they mm. when he was gone for so long, living in his Malibu clifftop yeah. mansion, that was amazing. And like that musical came out about him, and there was all this like conjecture about the life of Axl Rose. Mm. It was like he was like a prince, like a, a prince in exile. And now he's back on the road, and it's kind of boring. Yeah, and he tweets quite a lot. Yeah, and he shouldn't. Well, uh, comebacks are weird. That's kind of comeback is weird. Yeah. I always think that's strange when, like you say, someone, I mean, not to turn this around into a conversation about professional wrestling, which I will do at any given point, <laughs> but they, it's, it's a, a version of it. Like it's a, a microcosm of the real world, where especially reality, when you have someone like The Undertaker, who I'm sure lots of people are aware of from yeah, wrestling yeah, yeah. in their childhood and the youth. The fact that he now comes back as a dude in his mid-50s with two new hips and just gets back in the ring once a year for the payday. Mm. But it's no longer when we were kids and he was a character and he was a sinister he was character scary. who was really mm-hmm. scary. Whereas now, because of social media, we see him at the gym, like this 50-year-old Mark at the gym with his wife training for WrestleMania. And then he comes out at WrestleMania and you're kind of like, oh, I, I don't know if that was your best idea. To and extend I do think your that's analogy. A version of, yeah, it's an analogy. for. But Joey this. Ryan's really good at it. Joey yeah. Ryan is selling. Who's Joey he Ryan? He is an independent wrestler okay. who I also love. Yeah, and he, but he, all of his social Nike media is myth, is myth based. Yes. All of it is myth based. Not he doesn't post anything that's not He's on point and in character. Yeah, and that's fine. It's you, you have this. You have the remove. You can enjoy his silliness, but you don't see him don't really getting know anything, about anything him. done or all the weird things that would go into being Joey Ryan. You don't see them. So, and I'm quite happy about it. I don't want to know. I don't want to see how the sausage of celebrity is made. No. I just want to eat that sausage. Yes. 
And that's the quote that's going on my T-shirt. <laughs> it's like the difference between like Emma Stone and Shailene Woodley. Like mm. Shailene's very like, cause she's a protester and I love that about mm. her. And she's very passionate about like Dapple or a different cause. Yeah. But you see a lot of Shailene Woodley's private life. Mm. So then when you watch Big Little Lies, it, you're kind of more aware of her work. Uh, yeah, Whereas Emma I Stone, I don't know yeah. anything about Emma Stone. I can see her in anything. Or J-Law, I can kind of just pretend. We were, yeah. we were talking about Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence the other night over we Margaritas, yeah. saying how actually they're not particularly sexualized actresses either. They have this thing mm. where you don't know much about their private lives and they've never been the actresses who have sexualized themselves in film. And I It's wonder very if, rare that they're yeah. sold as an overtly sexualized yeah. character in a film. Even when they do something like Red Sparrow, you're right. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is great. I think maybe that's where we've arrived because that's a great place to be mm-hmm. where a woman can be in Red Sparrow and not yeah. just be like, oh, did you show your tits? Even though we're dealing with well, Chris Pine Red showing his penis <laughs> as if it's like the most exciting thing in the world, yeah. but half the world has a penis. It's not that big Red of a deal. That was press tour, wasn't it, when she was in London and it was freezing, freezing cold. Was that Jennifer Lawrence on uh-huh. Red Sparrow? And she had that tiny little Dior dress on and all the men had coats and jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, why is she being yeah, made being to wear forced. this tiny jacket? Dress, and the yeah. tiny dress, no jacket, and the men are wearing coats and, and jackets. And it's like, yeah, we need to get past that yeah that's nonsense um but yeah i, I find it's like you say that you, you wouldn't choose to be famous and these people are like oh i hate this i hate this like, but there is a choice there is a day when you say i'm gonna go to this shop or instead of this shop because people will be there mm. there are celebrities that manage to fly under the radar but even when bruce and demi moved to wherever the hell they moved to somewhere in the middle mm. west middle west and they Hid, they raised their kids away from it. You mm. can do it. You can do yeah. it here. You can do it in LA if you want to. Yeah. Um, you but just have to choose to do it. Yeah, it's a choice. It's like you can be crazy. I had like Mariah Carey, my favorite crazy interview ever, um, <laughs> was so <laughs> heavenly. <laughs> and she kind of chooses to not be famous in her private life mm. because she has an army of assistants to go and do stuff. She's like, I don't want to go there because I don't want to get photographed. She told me this massive story about how she navigates Los Angeles, which is basically by staying home. And that's also how I navigate. Los yeah, Angeles it was amazing. <laughs> but she's like, boo, what's that place, man? It's got like a thousand milkshakes and my assistants can't find it. And I was like, millions of milkshakes on Santa Monica Boulevard. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, can we go there now? And I was like, no, it's three in the morning. It's closed. Oh, it's three. You're like, yep. I want to live like Mariah because mm. she never gets papped. She doesn't get, unless she wants to be photographed, yeah. she generally doesn't. That's true. Yeah. No, you, you can do it. You can do it. Or you can tell the, the, the paparazzi where you live and they'll get you coming out of your house every day. Yeah. Mm. I remember um, very early on um, being with a very um, old school publicist and saying something about whoever the hot actor was at the time. saying, like, oh my God, I think it might have been Tom Cruise because whatever else goes on with tom cruise the guy can convey feeling and emotion on celluloid and you know mm. and he's a job. great action star yeah it's a job <laughs> and i said oh, he's great um great actor and this publicist was like bitch you do not know a great actor go to the theater they're great actors and you know what they're not fame whores because you could walk you could be in the supermarket and you could have one of the best actors in the world someone from the theater who treads the boards nightly next to you in the queue and you wouldn't know because they're not a fame whore and they don't need all the praise for it people who are on film need more for less talent and i thought that was an interesting thing to yeah, sort of it's true early yeah, on in my if career you just want to practice your craft it wouldn't matter where you're doing it you just want to do the best work mm. possible and i don't know if I don't know how that choice is made. I asked William H. Macy why the hell he did Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> and he's like, 
stage work isn't going to put three kids through college, dude. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're true. right. Fair enough. It's a terrible movie, but I'm glad you just put your kids through college. Yeah. He's honest about it. But yeah, P- Felicity Huffman, great actress, doesn't, they don't, as a couple, they don't seek it. Yeah, I know I know exactly where they live. So anyone could pap them. Everyone mm-hmm. knows where they live. Um, everyone knows where Brad Pitt lives. He doesn't really get papped that much. I might have driven past his house. You might have driven past his house. I might have driven past his house. But we didn't take a photo. But I know because we were having fun, but also... The gate's often open. No, it was open. Uh, And there was was an Uber coming out, which was a little bit disconcerting. One time we were going to go in and there was a skunk. and (laughs) It was just after that girl had broken in and fallen asleep. Hired. Yeah, you had a guard <laughs> pretended she was looking at something so that she could break, but actually we were just waiting to see if the person in the car was Brad and it wasn't. It he was might have been driver. in the boot. Speaking <laughs> of which, did you see the story recently that broke that Zay Malik said that when we keep seeing these people taking the giant suitcase in and out of Taylor Swift's house, she's in the suitcase? <gasps> it's in blind item and no one believed me. Uh, this was what I was going to say. No one like, believes uh, me. That uh, Everything you, in that book is true. Like yes. That, it, yeah, okay. Because that was hilarious. It's in, of course. They take her, because for ages, do you remember, she was always being papped coming in and out of that mm-hmm. apartment on Franklin Street in, yep. in Tribeca. And she always looked incredible. And then, and then people would be like, she's got makeup on to go to the gym. What is wrong with her? I'm like, because you're taking a fucking photo. It's All the time. Like, she probably, I would put a bit of lipstick on to go to the gym if you were stood outside my house. Um, but apparently, yeah, now that was... She gets in a big, a big trunk and gets carried out. They yeah. just carry her in and out. Celine and Dion used to do that on tour. She used to go uh, in a big amp case. Or like with a little seat in it yeah. and just wheeled to the stage. See, Taylor Swift one is just a great big suitcase. I, I'm obsessed with uh, Celine Dion. Uh, I, I think we she's We must see the show because I really want to in Vegas. She's just the perfect... Are you guys going to Vegas without no, me? No, no, oh. Obviously, we Are would you coming never. back? It, inevitably. Good. Part two. Part two. Like oh. in Vegas. Yeah, this, this will reunite <laughs> in Vegas because that will be... We're good at Vegas, aren't we? Yeah, that's, yeah. Our, that's our secret. That's Math, our secret power. challenge. Yeah. We're good at we, Vegas. Would, we, we contemplated Vegas, didn't we? And then we were we just did. like, we don't have the time. Listener, no. well, yeah, we didn't really have we the time. We didn't really it. have the time. It's, it's, it's a longer drive or a flight, dear listener. Yes. Uh, but that will be part two, surely. Yeah, so we did Palm Springs and came via an outlet mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm so thrilled that children in America are bigger than children in the UK because I was able to get the shoes that I wanted in a children's size, which is an adult size. And they're very yeah. nice shoes. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good work. Yeah, I was delighted. Um, so remind everybody, because we've been wanging on for over an hour. Oh, my God. Remind everybody of your books, and I will put the links to those in the show notes. Oh, thanks. Um, they're called Guilty Pleasure. Mm-hmm. is a sequel to Blind Item. Mm-hmm. You need to read them both. It's, it's basically one story chopped in half. <laughs> it is, like Kill Bill <laughs> 1 and 2. And Excellent. Lindsay was our patron saint getting them to the market, which well, was I nice. Mean, I didn't like, literally carry them. I just You would. I would have. I what was your role in getting them? Uh, I introduced Kevin to his publisher. Ah. Because I, he gave it to me to read. and Which was nerve-wracking as hell. Lots of people have given me lots of books to read. and That's why I didn't want to give you a book to read. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, you have to just be very polite. Because as Kevin says, writing a book actually isn't easy. Mm. Even just sitting down at a computer and writing 100,000 words, it's really, really hard. Um, and he gave it to me to read and I took it on holiday. And I was astounded by how good it is. And couldn't stop reading it and I couldn't stop texting him. <laughs> like, Who's this story about? Who's this story about? Who's this story about? Which you will do. And you um, also said, don't get ahead of yourself, son. You've still got a third of a book to fuck it up. Yeah, well, still. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> well, so then, I don't like to tell lies. Uh, <laughs> but then I was just like, I'm probably going to fuck it up. Then I really loved it and I um, introduced him to a friend of mine who I thought would love it, who is a publisher. 
And now the whole world has those books, which is what's important because they were awesome stories. Which is what's important. Are they available as audiobooks? Because I'm massively into audiobooks at the moment. They are, but I'm I'm oddly humble. I find it weird. Like, it takes long enough to read a book, but the audiobooks are so long. I think Guilty Pleasure is 18 hours. Who read it? Some lady, I forget. Um, <laughs> next time Amazing. edit name in here <laughs> next time um, you know who to, who to call yeah. no it would it be better it is one of my dreams it's to read to actually do well be careful book. what you wish for because the thing that was difficult I didn't realise is that everyone in that book has an accent I didn't mm. it's not yeah, something that you think about but there's Colombian Australian Scottish American African American American or African American yeah but and but in my mind the African American character just grew up in the valley mm-hmm. so she just talks like someone who grew up in Van Nuys mm-hmm. and that was a very deliberate choice but the woman that reads it gives her more of an urban slang and I'm like no that's in my brain that's not how she talks yeah, she's just a valley girl like a lot of people that you meet from the valley whether they're black or Chinese mm-hmm. or whatever they just talk like valley they're from girls, the yeah. valley and that's how she talks. And so, yeah, it's just hard to hear. And then she tries all these accents and, and you know, she does a good job. I thought it was an excellent audio book. The problem is I can't... Did you listen to the whole thing? Not all of it. But you know. I really enjoyed because I'd already read the book, so I didn't listen to all of it, but I had it on Audible. Um, and I can't listen to my audio books. I, I can't, can't bear it. I couldn't I, get through one so page. That's the problem is you just can't listen to your own. I, I really like your audio book. Oh, because it, co- it was like a collision in my head. That wasn't yeah, fun for me. It's yours. You're too close to it. One of my favourite things to do at the moment is to buy the audiobook, get the Kindle edition when it's like a penny or 99p. <laughs> Thanks, Emma. Uh, no, I buy yours when they're full <laughs> price, and you know I do. I'm joking. Buy, mm-hmm. buy the stuff your friends make. That's you know that that's my motto. Yes, no, me too. Um, and I re I'm currently reading Recovery by Russell Brand whilst he narrates it, as far as I'm concerned, because I read the audio. I have the audio book on and then yeah. read the text. The best audiobooks are John Collins's autobiography, read by John Collins. <gasps> Zsa Zsa Gabor's Past Imperfect, read by Written. her. Oh my, okay. It's, an, it's insanely it, great. It's so it. grand. And she says all the dirty things. <gasps> and then Zsa Zsa Gabor's autobiography, read by the late princess Zsa Zsa Gabor. It's the funniest thing you'll ever listen to in your life. It's amazing. See, Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. Oh, please don't tell me anything bad about Arnold, by the way. No, nothing to say bad. Oh, he seems really nice and he seems really nice now yeah he's having a great back end of his career like just being a sassy like anti-donald trump weird commentator it's quite strange uh but he no he's really nice and he'll you see him all the time santa monica go to go to lunch in santa monica uh, don't look at me like that as though i've been holding this from you (laughs) i can't guarantee it but he does supposedly ivy at the shore Fairmont hotel yeah which I was told by the PR of the Fairmont of the hotel, so I'm not giving away any secrets. That was only no, it's well known which hotel he stays in yeah. in London because it was all over the documentary about Claridge's. Yeah. And then Claridge's switchboard was inundated with people doing Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonations, <laughs> making fake reservations. Oh, because there's so many options. About you can, I'll be back is just begging. The, pers- the person who does the best one is Alex Pettifer. Really? His, his Arnold Schwarzenegger impression oh. of Magic Mike. His friend, Alex Pettifer. Our personal friend. <laughs> Alex. Alex. Our AP. Alex. Or Alex. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, I'll pop you down to Santa Monica so you can at least... Can I come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday. We'll go I'm wearing a heart-shaped necklace with Arnie on, though, so I, I could just go, <laughs> look, it's not, I'm not fake. I'm not fake. Yeah. I love you. Or not. <laughs> or maybe we'll tell him it's something else. My Porg suit is getting quite hot. Yeah, listeners, um, Kevin has done this entire podcast whilst wearing a Porg onesie. It's beautiful. It's really warm. It's adorable. Yeah, maybe it's getting a bit too toasty now. So yeah. we shall draw... The episode to a close. It's been fun. It has been fun. Thanks. Thanks. Thank I've you for joining fun. me. And um, listeners, everything that we have discussed. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Kelt. 
Yeah, it's a surprise. It wasn't Lindsay Kelk. It was actually Lindsay Lohan throughout the, the entire episode. Are you carrying? <laughs> <laughs> you come with me to hotel. You come with me to hotel. That's current, current oh, yeah. I arrive in LA and we watch the YouTube video or the, the Instagram, the Instagram live story of live, yeah, of her where trying Lindsay to tried to save homeless people yeah. in oh. a weird accent. And I think she got hit in the face. She got hit in the face. Because they thought they were, they thought she was trying to Steal buy their, their child. Children, yeah. <laughs> it's the best thing oh, you've ever seen. Oh, Instagram. You come with me yeah. to a hotel? <laughs> you come with me now? Yeah. You, you love your children? Come with me. Yeah. Let the child come with me. Very, Feed the child. It's the it's weirdest thing. It's very confusing. Thing. Um, and Instagram, we've got Instagram to thank for yeah. that. So, so Lindsay, <laughs> uh, all the links to your books, of which there are 14. There's some, yeah. Uh, will be in the thank show you. notes. Kevin's books will, and social media handles will be in the show notes. Both are worth following. And thank you for listening to this episode of the show. Yay! Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Now, before you go, just a quick note. If you want to get in touch with the show, just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or slide into my DMs on social media. I am at Emma Guns on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to join the closed Facebook group for the show, simply follow the link in the show notes, which you can find wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. And why not, while you're there, click that subscribe button so you never miss a show. Thank you so much, and I will see you on the next one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.